Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. It's a brand new week on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're also streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Our video stream is up and going right now on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. It is nine minutes after five o'clock, and we have beautiful sunshine once again in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming up. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic, South Burnett Drive in South Bend, helping to fight pet overpopulation. By Budweiser and by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And finally, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how it feed Indiana. Org. Coming up on the program this evening, we have a full two hours because the South Bend Cubs are idle today. They will play at West Michigan Tuesday through Sunday, all six games on WSBT Radio. Due to West Michigan starting their games at 635, that means Sports Beat Tuesday through Friday will air from 5 until 615 here on WSBT Radio before we walk away for South Bend Cubs baseball. So let's take advantage of two hours tonight. Coming up in our next segment, our Twitter question of the day 
and it involves a Notre Dame football story on Netflix. Later on this hour, the Irish player spotlight, a guy I am really intrigued by, a guy I can't wait to see on the field at Ohio State, and he wears number seven. You can't miss him in the Notre Dame offensive huddle. Audric Estime, the sophomore running back. You'll hear from his position coach, Dela McCullough, and also a portion of Estime's recent media session as he gets set for a brand new season. We've got a My 5 question of the day coming up later on this hour. Who had the best weekend in the 6 o'clock hour? We'll start the hour with a conversation about Notre Dame hockey because the Fighting Irish hockey schedule came out. The Big Ten Conference portion of the schedule, their non-conference schedule, was released a couple of weeks ago. Now we know the Big Ten Conference schedule, so we'll go through some of the details on that schedule at around 6.06. We'll have a sports wagering segment coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. And we'll wrap up the show tonight at around 6.40. Bethel University Athletic Director Tony Natale will join us to talk about all the great things happening right now with Pilot Athletics. All right, 12 minutes after 5 o'clock, we have several first pitches to get through as we kick off Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday, August the 22nd of 2022. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Let's start with some Notre Dame football conversation. As we should. We're in South Bend. Late August. The football season. Days away. 12 days to be exact. Notre Dame, Ohio State in that highly anticipated season opener at the Horseshoe in Columbus, September 3rd, every Irish game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, including pre- and post-game coverage. We can't wait. I know you can't wait to get this college football season rolling here in South Bend. You'll have a chance to wet your whistle this weekend. There are some week zero games in college football. So if you've missed college football, if you've missed wagering on college football, you'll get a little sample of the upcoming season with several college football games this weekend. Notre Dame headlines today. Not a very heavy headline day, as we won't hear from Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman for a few more days. Fall camp starting to wind down. Practice number 15 was today. Number 16 is coming up on Wednesday. The media allowed to watch the first five portions of practice today. The one thing that stood out, starting cornerback Cam Hart, not on the practice field today. He left practice with shoulder pads in hand. Hopefully nothing serious. There was nothing on his body that concerns you with casts or braces or anything like that. Hopefully it was just a maintenance day for one of the top defenders on this Fighting Irish football team. Made the transition from field to boundary corner last year. Turned out to be a very smart move made by then defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. So Hart not on the practice field today again. We don't know what the reason was. Hopefully just 
a maintenance day, and he'll be back on the practice field Wednesday and 12 days to get ready for that season opener against Ohio State. You know, there could be some corners that have made very significant progress, closing the gap between themselves and the three guys we know are going to play a lot this year. Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracey, and Hart. Maybe it's Jaden Mickey. Maybe it's Ryan Barnes. Maybe it's both. But right now, you just can't afford to lose one of those three corners going into that Ohio State game with all the weapons they have at quarterback and wide receiver. And there's a few more to talk about besides those positions, which we will in just a couple of moments. Otherwise, Jared Patterson suffered the foot injury in practice last week. We know as of last week, he was going to be resting for a little over a week. Questionable for the Ohio State game. He was at practice today, had a hard cast on his foot. So still not moving around as of yet. Hopefully, very, very soon, that cast will be gone. He can get back on the practice field. If there's any way he can play, he will be there for Ohio State. But right now, the media in attendance had a chance to see Jared and not ready to roll as of yet. The AP All-American teams were announced today. Notre Dame well-represented, as you would expect. You take a look at the first team listed as the starting center on the AP All-American preseason team is Jared Patterson of Notre Dame. We all know he's going to play left guard, but voted to the All-American team as a center. The other first team representative of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, the edge rusher, Isaiah Foskey. You know, I don't get into all these preseason prognostications because none of us know how this is all going to play out. You kind of guess who the best players in the country are. But there have been some lists that have Isaiah Foskey way down the line, third team or honorable mention. I know there's a lot of great edge rushers across the country. You could probably take the top six or eight, put them in any order, and no one's really going to argue. But in the AP's eyes, Foskey is one of the elite edge rushers in the country, and he made the first team. Two more Irish made the second team, one being safety Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern. Boy, has he shown up big in practice. You see why there was a lot of hoopla about Joseph leaving Northwestern as an undergrad and joining this Fighting Irish football program. Don't blink, folks. Don't blink. He may not be here long. It might be 13 or 14 games for Brandon Joseph, and it's off to the National Football League. He is that much of a big-time player. He finds the football. Very similar to that number 14 that ran around for a couple of years here at Notre Dame. And Kyle Hamilton, not comparing the two. I'm just saying ball hawking ability. I think that's one similarity that is fair to cast. So Joseph made the second team All-American squad for the AP. And the other Notre Dame representative on that list tied in Michael Mayer. Mayer, Brock Bowers of Georgia. I think they just kind of take turns who's on the first team and who's on the second team for all these nationalists. 
I'm pro Michael Mayer. I'm a little biased seeing him in person here at Notre Dame. I feel like he's the best tight end of the country. You go down to SEC country, and they're going to tell you Brock Bowers of the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs is the best tight end in the country. You know what? I'm not going to argue with them. They shouldn't argue with us. They're both tremendous football players at the tight end spot. You take a look at Bowers for that national championship team last year. And by the way, Bowers is 6'4", 230, moves pretty well for a big guy. 56 catches last year for Bowers for 882 yards, 13 touchdowns, averaged 15.8 yards per reception. He played in three more games than Michael Mayer, yet Mayer had 15 more catches, 71 receptions, 840 yards, seven touchdowns, 11.8 yards per catch. So those numbers by Mayer, Had he played in the same amount of games as Bowers, he probably would have cast a big shadow over the big guy from between the hedges. But Bowers and Georgia won the title. He gets the advantage over Michael Mayer, at least, on this list. But you look at other lists, and I'm not saying one is more important than the other, but you take a look at the NFL draft prognostication for next year. Advantage Michael Mayer, considered a possibility for a top 10 pick. You might say, well, why are you saying a possibility? He is definitely a guy that's going to go in the top 10. Well, we said the same thing about Kyle Hamilton. Then he had the 40 time, dropped back a little bit, went to the Baltimore Ravens in the middle of the first round. So never say anything for sure when it comes to the NFL draft. Things change rapidly. Tight end, top 10, sometimes you just don't see that unless they're exceptional. We saw that with the Florida tight end going to the Atlanta Falcons a couple of years ago. So Mayer has a great chance. A much better chance to go in the first round that high than Brock Bowers of Georgia. Again, two great players, depending on which part of the country you're from or who you root for, you probably think your guy is the best. I personally will take Michael Mayer. Others will go a different direction. Speaking of this Ohio State football team that the Irish are going to see in 12 days, they were pretty well represented on the AP All-American squad. While Notre Dame had two members on the first team, Ohio State had three. Running back, Travion Henderson put up massive numbers last year. He's on the first team. A guy that absolutely had a career day at the Rose Bowl against Utah. You talking about shredding a defense. My heavens. Wide receiver Jackson Smith, the Jigba. He's on the first team, and he'll team with Marvin Harrison, Jr., to put forth quite a challenge for the Fighting Irish defense. And the other first-teamer for Ohio State is their offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, Foskey, Riley Mills, Paris Johnson. They'll know each other by the end of the day at the horseshoe. Ohio State had a couple of members on the second team, a guy that could have been the first-team quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He is good enough to be first team, but second team behind the reigning Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, Bryce Young. 
And Ohio State's other offensive tackle, Dewan Jones, made the second team. So we have the makings of some interesting matchups. Notre Dame pass rushers against two offensive tackles getting a lot of prestige in the preseason. Paris Johnson trending toward a first-round pick in next year's National Football League draft. So there are nine players on the AP All-American first and second teams that we will watch play against each other in Columbus September 3rd. Notre Dame at Ohio State, the Buckeyes with five, the Fighting Irish with four. Another first pitch to throw at you, just something to keep an eye on. I'm not sure this is anything out of the ordinary. It's something that should happen considering what's happening in college football and college sports right now. Action Network's Brett McMurphy reports that Oregon is in the beginning stages with the Big Ten to determine if they are compatible with the conference. I think any team outside of the Big Ten of the ACC would like to make themselves compatible with the SEC and the Big Ten. That's the place to be. Not in the Pac-12. Now, according to McMurphy, the recent discussions in Chicago did not include Commissioner Kevin Warren or Oregon AD Rob Mullins. Now, these reports have started to surface since the Big Ten announced their $7 billion rights deal covering seven years, and it was a thing of beauty. Brilliance by the Big Ten. They hit five or six home runs on this swing. Other rumors that are surfacing that the league will expand beyond 16 schools because the more teams they add, there are some igniters that send that $7 billion a little higher. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, in a recent interview on HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, he mentioned he could foresee the Big Ten eventually expanding to 20 teams. Now, that's been kind of shot down by the Big Ten since they made the move to add USC and UCLA. I think they were waiting to see what Notre Dame is going to do. My gut tells me that Notre Dame is probably getting several offers right now. With ESPN out of the Big Ten, first time in four decades that ESPN will have no Big Ten programming, I'd have to imagine ESPN is going to put in a bid on Notre Dame football home games. And I'm sure Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, is all in favor of different stations putting in bids on Notre Dame football to drive up the price on someone like NBC, who has had it from day one. NBC now has that Big Ten primetime game to couple with Notre Dame. Now they just have to Get the rights to Notre Dame football once again. I would imagine Notre Dame is very loyal to NBC. But ESPN's got a lot of money to throw around, and they have billions of dollars still in the bank after not gaining any of the rights deal for the Big Ten Conference. Why wouldn't ESPN pay $100 million for Notre Dame home games? Considering what CBS is paying for 13 games over $300 million, how come Notre Dame can't get over $100 million for six or seven home games? 
I would have to think it's possible. And if anybody's going to do it outside of NBC with their long-standing relationship with Notre Dame, why not ESPN? I mean, they still have the SEC. They still have the ACC. They're still in the college football business. They're still pushing some buttons behind the scenes for the SEC and the ACC. But wouldn't Notre Dame be a really fascinating addition? Notre Dame's looking for ways to promote their product outside of their game telecast, which has only been the case on NBC, unless they put up a short little promo during golf coverage or NASCAR, whatever the case may be. ESPN could be talking about Notre Dame football each and every day on all their different programs. So it's kind of fascinating. I have no idea if ESPN is going to bid on Notre Dame football, but why wouldn't they at this point? That is a valuable piece of the college football puzzle. No Big Ten anymore, so I'm sure they could find a spot for Notre Dame football on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2 at around 2.30 or 3.30 or maybe 7.30 in the evening. Six, seven times a year on a Saturday. We'll see how it plays out. Again, I don't know why Notre Dame can't get close to that 100 number, considering what CBS gave the Big Ten for not even the premier game in the Big Ten every week. CBS, they did not read the market well. They let the SEC go, and that 3.30 time slot slot replaced it with the Big Ten game, and they paid more for the Big Ten's non-premier game compared to having the premier SEC game every week. That was a misstep. Probably going to regret that for a good amount of time. And now ESPN monopolizing everything Southeastern Conference, which is also a brilliant move on their part. So we'll see if Oregon fits into the Big Ten equation. You'd think they want to add a couple of more West Coast teams because you look at how Saturdays are forming in the Big Ten. You've got a noon game on Fox. Then at 3.30, you get that CBS game. That's in a couple of years when the SEC contract runs out on CBS. NBC will have the 7.30 Big Ten game. Why not add a fourth window to further add revenue to this massive deal? You got that West Coast window. Maybe 10, 10.30 at night. You've already got USC and UCLA under your brand name. You could add Oregon, Stanford, Washington. Those are some of the names being kicked around. I have a feeling until all is said and done, the Big Ten will plan on 19 teams and leave a spot for Notre Dame just in case things change. Just in case they try to go down that road one more time. And they'd be foolish not to leave a spot open until Notre Dame officially is locked in with a new deal and whatever partner they end up with. But if you're the Big Ten, yep, 19 19 teams, you can lock them in. That 20 team, you put them on standby. You know what? You're going to have to go to the green room for a while and wait. Kind of like the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. You had the green room. If you were not the number one guest, you'd have to sit and wait, and sometimes you'd get bumped. Well, 
There's going to be some school probably in the green room of the Big Ten. And when Notre Dame says no thanks, officially, all in, all done, then that team comes out of the green room and joins the Big Ten. And they're going to hope they're not going to get bumped like some of the guests used to on the old Tonight Show. We wrap up things in this first pitch segment with one more pitch, and it is the White Sox trying to remain relevant in the AL Central. They're hanging around right now, not playing great. Nobody's pulling away. White Sox, two and a half games out of first place right now in the AL Central, playing a one-game setup in Kansas City. The game is this afternoon. It's a makeup game. Michael Kopech did not retire a hitter in the first inning before being pulled. Royals led 4-0 after the first. The White Sox have rallied to tie the game at four. And right now, in the top of the eighth inning, or make it the bottom of the eighth inning, excuse me, the Royals have the bases loaded with one out in a 4-4 game. Elvis Andrews picked up. Off the waiver wire from Oakland. Well, he's done well today for the White Sox. He has driven in three runs, a two-RBI single in the fourth and a game-tying RBI double in the seventh. But now the White Sox in trouble. 4-4, bottom of the eighth. Kansas City has the bases loaded. One out, Joe Kelly on the mound. And he's going to be facing... The heart of the Kansas City lineup. Waters at the plate, then the rookie Melendez and the rookie Bobby Witt Jr. And Joe Kelly just walked in a run with the bases loaded. And Kansas City in the bottom of the eighth inning has taken a 5-4 lead on the Chicago White Sox. Mm-mm-mm. Tough ball, falling behind 4-0, coming back to tie it now. Sox have one at bat left, down by a run, and the Royals still have the bases loaded one out, and their young rookie hitters are coming to the plate. Those are the opening first pitches for tonight's program. 5.32 is our time. We'll come back and get into a little more Notre Dame football with our Twitter question of the day on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and live on the Twitch app. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the program. 22 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on the Twitch app. This is our Twitter question of the day. You can follow me on Twitter at 960SportsBeat each weekday. We have a Twitter question of the day on my account that you can vote on. So let's go back to Thursday's program. We did not have a question on Friday because we had just a 15-minute show. So Thursday's Twitter question of the day was this. Which of these four Notre Dame hypothetical stat lines for 2022 is the most realistic or the most likely of the four to happen. The four choices. Sophomore wide receiver Lorenzo Stiles Jr. 
he'll have at least 60 catches this year. Choice number two, sophomore running back, Audric Estime, will go over 600 rushing yards for the year. The old Grizzly veteran, Isaiah Foskey, 11 sacks last year. How about 16 this year? And the fourth and final selection for hypothetical stat lines for the Irish in 2022, and which is the most realistic? The fourth is Tyler Buckner, the sophomore quarterback with 30 touchdown passes. Here's the results of the voting. We start at 6.9%. Fourth in the voting, Tyler Buckner throwing 30 touchdown passes. 30's a big number. You look at that, you're going to have to average over two touchdown passes per game in order to get to 30. Will Drew Pine play a factor at all in some games this year to take away some touchdowns from Buckner? I would think only if necessary. Could be wrong. We'll see what Tommy Reese decides. But if you gave me a number around 24, that's where I would go with a projection on Tyler Buckner's touchdown passes for this year. 30 is a big-time number. If he has 30, the Irish are going to be fighting for a playoff spot in late November, without a doubt. So Buckner got 6.9% of the vote. Third place in the voting at 12.1%. Isaiah Foskey coming up with five more sacks than he did last year, setting the program record with 16. Again, that's a very high number. You would have to imagine teams are going to do everything they can not to let Isaiah Foskey beat them. It might be an Anabiola, Jacob Lacey, Riley Mills, Howard Cross. They may benefit from the attention Foskey gets. And that's okay. I think our coaching staff is very confident in everybody around Isaiah Foskey who can take advantage of the attention that Foskey likely will get this year. No doubt 16 is a big, big number. Can he get to 12 or 13? Absolutely, but 16. That is getting to the quarterback big time. And honestly, I think we'd all agree, if he has 10, 11 sacks and he also has 16, 17 quarterback pressures, that's also very good. Quarterback pressures usually lead to incompletions or something very bad happening for the opposing quarterback. Which of these four Notre Dame hypothetical stat lines for 2022 is the most realistic? We're up to number two in the voting. 29.3% said Lorenzo Styles with 60 catches. Well, in the regular season, that's five catches per game, not counting a bowl game or a playoff game. So five catches per game for Styles. that seems like that's a good average number for him for this year. He likely will be the top wide receiver that Tyler Buckner throws to. Now Michael Mayer is going to be the top target at the tight end spot, but I think Styles is going to be electric this year. Polishing his pass routes, Reading defenses to go along with that electric speed. 
or what was called in a media session, superhero speed. I think this is going to be an electric season for Lorenzo Styles. 60, I might go 50, 55, but 60 is a big number. But again, if you factor in just five catches per game on average, that gets you to 60, and that doesn't seem that unrealistic. And the winner of the vote, which of these four Notre Dame hypothetical stat lines for this year is the most realistic, most likely to happen? 51.7% are on the Audric Estime bandwagon. The big guy, the sophomore running back, seven carries all of last year, six against Georgia Tech, one against Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. But he has looked great in practice. His position coach, Coach McCullough, has spoken very highly of him, and he will speak very highly of him in our next segment as we put Estime in the Irish player spotlight. 600 rushing yards, very possible. It may come down to two things, health and how many running backs is this coaching staff going to be willing to use throughout a full season. To me, Tyree, Estime, Diggs, you can make a strong argument for any of the three being the so-called number one running back. Probably we're going to see all three. But I think Estime getting carries in key parts of the game gives him a shot at 600. What also gives him a shot, I can see him being that fourth quarter running back that just pounds a defense. When you're trying to run out the clock, you get that guy going downhill. Defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, tired, fatigued, late in the game. Well, you can see him being a very, very good weapon to have running out the clock in late-game situations. So you can also see him picking up some carries along the way in that fashion. So, Audric Estime, 600 rushing yards. That is the most realistic of the four hypotheticals that we offered you on the Twitter question of the day last week. Thank you so much for voting. Greatly appreciate your time. We've got a new question for you today. Of these four choices, what is your number one reaction to watching former Irish linebacker Manti Teo's documentary on Netflix? Now, if you're not familiar with this, the streaming service Netflix has put together a two-part documentary on the Manti Teo storyline from his last year at Notre Dame, where, of course, as we all know now, he had the fake girlfriend, which became a national story. Unfortunately, Manti became the punchline of a lot of jokes across the country. When you thought of Manti Teo, unfortunately, so many people didn't think of the great linebacker at Notre Dame. They thought about a guy that got catfished. So this documentary... I'm almost through the first episode, which is basically a recap of what happened. And if you're familiar with the storyline, this is just basically a refresher course of what happened. The person who put together the catfish has turned from male to female now. And Manti's very open in this particular story. 
as is Manti's parents. It's been interesting so far, having lived it as a media member here. I remember when Deadspin put out the story at 4.15 one afternoon, 45 minutes before Sportsbeat started. I read the story three times trying to wrap my head around it. What? What? Fake girlfriend? What? And it's like we talked our way through what was happening as the show started. The first 40 minutes of the show, I think we were almost like Oprah's book club. You all sit down and you talk about the book you just read. Well, we were all trying to talk our way through what exactly was going on in this story. So, for those of you that have watched the series, what is your number one reaction to Manti's Netflix special? Here are the four choices I'm, four choices, excuse me, I'm giving you today. Number one, status quo. The story is exactly what I expected. Didn't move the needle for you. Choice number two, after hearing more about this and a lot more from Manti, I look at this story totally differently. Choice number three, your number one reaction to watching Manti Tales documentary on Netflix. After watching the series, I now feel bad for Manti Teo. And the fourth and final choice, how in the world did he fall for all this? So a whole different level of answers for this. Different directions, I think, trying to offer some different choices. The story was what I expected. I look at the story differently. I feel bad for Manti, or how did he fall for this? Of those choices, what is your number one reaction to watching Manti's documentary on Netflix? You can vote right now, tonight, tomorrow, whenever you have time, on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEEP. Our Irish Player Spotlight with Audrey Estime is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame, Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Five fifty-four at WSBT. This is our Irish Players Spotlight today. We focus on sophomore running back Audric. Estimate a big guy, huge frame, but the feet are very quick as well. He's going to surprise you how well this guy moves for being such a big guy. As we talked about in our last segment, only a handful of carries last year, but it sure seems like he is trending toward being 1A or 1B at running back for the Fighting Irish to open the year at Ohio State. Dylan McCullough is the new running back coach for the Fighting Irish. He has NFL and college coaching experience. And he was asked recently to offer his thoughts on the skill set and what he is expecting of this big guy, Audric Estime. I'm across the board, really like the things that Audric is doing. Um, he's been showing 
you know, all the capabilities you want to see, um, the proficiency and the consistency you want um, in a lead back, he's going to have more than 10 carries. I can guarantee you that. I mean, like I said, Audric has shown all of the, the competencies and has been very proficient and consistent at everything you want from a high, high-level running back. Protection, run with speed, run with power, run with elusiveness, catch the ball. You know, he do everything you need for him to do. So that's exciting to have, you know, and um, shoot, we're just going to continue to build on it. I know you compared uh, Chris Tyree to Clyde Edwards Hilaire a little bit earlier. Is mm -hmm. there a guy that you've worked with that kind of resembles uh, Audric? Um, Audric reminded me probably a little bit of Carlos Hyde. You know, uh, when I had Carlos for a little bit, I mean, Audric, his hands are better. That's, I think his hands is the things that, that <laughs> would surprise me. This guy can catch. He can run really crisp routes and catch the ball, right? Um, but as far as his running style and just a rugged downhill, make guys miss, run with pad level, run with power, you know, got more initial pop than what people think, that's what he reminds me of. Pretty high praise right there. Carlos Hyde's had a nice run in the National Football League, a physical guy with some speed as well. So, Andre Estime is playing his way into a big role on this Fighting Irish Offense for 2022. And during a media session, he was asked to describe his running style. You know, I'm a big guy, so I'm a physical back for sure. But I feel like I have a little more than that. I feel like I can run around dudes. I can make dudes miss. I can go over the top. So I feel like I'm a back that brings a lot of skill sets to the table. And I feel like other bat, other teams see me and they're like, this is a big guy, so they're going to have to bring it. So I just want them to know I'm going to bring it all the time too. The other responsibilities, blocking, catching balls out of the backfield. Where do you experience the growth in that area? Oh yeah, for me, I pride myself as a running back position. You got to know to do all besides running the ball. Obviously, you got to be able to pass, pass, protect. You got to be able to catch. So this all season, I pride myself to get better in all aspects. So I feel like with Coach Dealing, that's something we've been working on, and I feel like that's a very big improvement on my game, and that's going to show this year. What have you been able to take away from Coach Dealing's pro experience uh, kind of early on in camp? Uh, honestly, just uh, every day is a new day, and he's just you got to bring it every day, and just. Just, you're just always competing. You're not just competing with the guys in your room. You're competing to be the best in the country. And there's always another guy out there who's going to want it. So you're just going to want. You're just gonna have to want it more than him. And you're always going to have to be detailed, more detailed than him, more determined, and more disciplined. Thank you. How comfortable do you feel running behind that strong offensive line? Oh, I feel really comfortable. I, I feel I feel really comfortable. And I feel really confident. I feel like Coach Hinston's getting Hinston's getting them really ready. I just feel like we're just going to have a real good year. This O line been working as a unit together this fall camp. And they're, they're getting their confidence up, so I feel like we're just ready to go for week one. Talk about you know them being cohesive. How is the running back room um, being cohesive and you know making sure you're ready for the season? Then also rooting along Logan Diggs and his recovery. Oh, well, we're all just come. We're all just competing. We're all just pushing each other every day. We're all, even though we're competing, we're here for each other. We're all brothers. So when someone makes a good play, you go pat him up. When someone makes a bad play, tell him what you saw wrong that what they could do better. So every day is a new day. We're just all competing, just trying to make each other better. Coach Dillon compared you to uh, Carlos Hyde, you know, to physicality, but also the ability to kind of uh, to get up the field. You know, mm -hmm. what did you think about that comparison? Would you agree? Would you make a different comparison? Um, yeah, I say I'd agree with him, but I feel like I wouldn't really compare myself to any back. I feel like I have backs that I look up to, not really look up to, but I get stuff from their game to help me to improve my game. But I feel like I'm a, just a unique back, and I feel like there's not a back in the country that's like me. Who are some of the running backs that you model your game after? Uh, I'd say Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Carlos Hyde, Derrick Henry.
how much comfortable are you in year two of the offense and everything? Oh, I'm so much more comfortable. I feel like the game just moving more slow. I know the plays, the plays are, we have a lot of new plays, but the most plays from last year. So I feel like last year I had to think and do things. Now it's just, all right, this is a play, and now I know I just got to go through my reads and just read and react. And I'm just playing, I'm playing a lot more free and more fast now. And then would you say Jabron's kind of at that point you were at this time last year, or is he ahead or? Um, I feel like I feel like Jerron is honestly at a he's in a great position. I'm I wouldn't be able to compare where I was to where he is last year, but where he's in a great position for to be a freshman. He's competing and he knows the plays. He's not a guy like you gotta tell him what to do. He's studying the playbook, so he's gonna know where he has to be. And I feel like just while him looking up to me, Chris and Logan just making him better, and he's making us better, honestly. And then how much do you want more two back formations? Oh, I feel like I feel like I, I like that it's been working a lot in practice because you have Chris coming all the other way and you have me and you have Buck on this way. So I feel like that makes it forces the defense to play on edge. So I feel like that caused a lot of complications for the defense. So I feel that's gonna be a big package this year. The linebacker saying for us, man, you gonna give us a few vocals for us since you said you weren't the best on the team. Uh, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta warm up for that. <laughs> I gotta warm up for that. Not ready for that, no. Aldrick, uh, Dylan mentioned earlier that you're a little bit underrated as a pass catcher. I know zero catches last year. We've seen you out here do some things uh, in camp so far. How comfortable is that to you? And uh, how, how do you feel you are as a receiver out of the backfield? I, f I think I'm a great receiver out the backfield. Like I said before, uh, to be a running back, you can't just be able to run the ball. You got to be able to catch the ball. You got to be able to pass protect. And catching the ball is a huge aspect, especially to make it to the next level. And that's my ultimate goal is to make it to the le next level and play at the highest level. So. And if that's what it's going to take, I'm going to do it to perfection. I think only about seven rushes last year. I mean, obviously limited production. Coach McCall also said you're going to get a lot more than that. Sure. What kind of expectations are you putting on yourself for this season? I mean, you've been vocal on Twitter as well. But yeah, uh, I expect to do. I expect to have a great, great year. I expect to be. I expect to be one of the best running backs in the country. That I've been working my. I've been working hard this whole summer, this whole winter to do that. Coach Dillon been pushing me, Logan been pushing me, Chris been pushing me, we've all been pushing each other, and just it's just a dream. I'm living a time. I'm in a time of my life right now. I just gotta convert and execute and trust my teachings that my coach has been teaching me. Well, first off, I enjoy listening to him talk to the media, and I'm really looking forward to seeing Audrey Estime on the field. At Ohio State, probably one of the key guys in the run game for the Fighting Irish this year. Audric Estime in our Irish Player Spotlight on WSBT South Bend. We've reached the top of the hour. Coming up next, a Sports Center update. Then after a break, we will then dig into the Notre Dame hockey schedule. The Big Ten conference schedule was released today. I'll offer some details on that next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 614 at WSBT. Welcome back to the program. Sports Beat being brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Pet Refuges, ABC Clinic, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and the Mishawaka Education Foundation. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. South Bend Cubs baseball resumes tomorrow night from West Michigan. 6-15 pregame, 6-35, first pitch. 
We're going to take a break from Notre Dame football talk for a couple of moments because we have some Fighting Irish hockey news today. The brand new Fighting Irish hockey season will get underway at least with an exhibition game on October the 2nd against the United States developmental team. And Notre Dame will have once again this year in the Big Ten Conference a 24-game conference slate and the new conference schedule was released by the Big Ten Conference today. Just like in past years, as I mentioned, 24 games for the conference for each team, 12 games at home, 12 on the road, so you play the other six teams in the conference four times. Now, the first Notre Dame Big Ten series this year is October 28th and 29th, and they will host the Michigan State Spartans. The Spartans, with a great tradition in hockey, they won three national championships, but they have been on hard times for, gosh, almost a decade now. They have a brand-new head coach. It is Adam Nightingale. He is a Michigan State hockey alum. Last two years, he was the head coach of the United States Developmental Program in Plymouth, Michigan. He was also a Detroit Red Wings assistant coach in 2019 and 2020. So the Spartans will have a new look this year with Adam Nightingale taking over as the head coach of the Spartans. And Notre Dame will face Michigan State right off the bat. I believe former Irish goaltender Morgan Say transferred from Quinnipiac to Michigan State during the offseason so the Irish could face their old goaltender in that matchup. I don't think I have the teams wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. The first road series in the Big Ten for the Fighting Irish will be at 3M Arena At Mariucci in Minneapolis, they will play on the Olympic Ice Sheet, home of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That program has been playing high-level hockey once again the last couple of years, and the Irish have not had a whole lot of success at Minnesota the last couple of years. Let's see if they can turn that around in this series. November 4th and 5th, that'll be the first Big Ten Road Series for the Irish at Minnesota, I would imagine. When the preseason polls come out for hockey, in some order, Michigan and Minnesota will be 1-2. And honestly, from there, outside of probably Michigan State 7, 3 through 6 could go really in any order. I would imagine, off the top of my head, maybe Penn State would be 6th. Then maybe Wisconsin 5th. And then Notre Dame, Ohio State, in some order, would be third and fourth in the preseason polls for the Big Ten Conference. Now, Michigan-Notre Dame is always a highly sought-after ticket when they play at the Compton Family Ice Arena, or for that matter, up in Ann Arbor at Yost Ice Arena. So here are the dates for the Michigan-Notre Dame series this year. The Irish will host the Wolverines this year in November. November 11th and 12th, and the Irish will go to Michigan. It'll be the final regular season series of the year. I like this. Notre Dame and Michigan wrapping up the season against each other. Great rivalry game. Usually means something in the Big Ten standings. So the Irish at Michigan, February 25th and 26th at Yost Ice Arena. And outside of losing the Big Ten Tournament semifinal, to Michigan. I think the Irish have won six or seven in a row in the regular season at Yost Ice Arena. 
I mentioned Notre Dame and Minnesota, the road series. The Irish will host the Minnesota Golden Gophers at the Compton January 13th and 14th. That's another game that's very popular on the schedule for Irish fans. And of note, the Irish have two bye weeks this year, December 3rd and 4th. And February 17th and 18th, there are bye weeks because there are only seven teams in the Big Ten Conference. So someone has to be idle each week. And Notre Dame's turn to be idle December 3rd and 4th and February 17th and 18th. Tell you what, that late bye in the second half could come in very handy. Hey, let's face it, these hockey teams get pretty banged up throughout the year. A late season bye is not a bad thing at all. And the Irish get their bye February 17th and 18th, so that'll be right before they go to Michigan on the 25th and the 26th of February. Once again, the Big Ten Hockey Tournament this year, same format. March 3rd through the 5th, higher seed team will host a best-of-three series. It will be the number two seed against the seven, three versus six, four versus five. March 11th, single elimination semifinal hosted by the higher-seeded team and an automatic berth to the NCAA Tournament up for grabs March 18th, hosted by the highest-seeded team. It's the Big Ten Conference championship game for the Irish this year a quick reminder what we're looking at with Irish head coach Jeff Jackson back for another year he's got a veteran goaltender in Ryan Bischel who played behind the grad transfer Matthew Goliath last year but Bischel was called into duty several times and handled his role very well a 2.08 goals against average and a 924 save percentage on defense Nick Lieberman back for another year as a grad student This is a big return for the Irish, 118 career games, 58 points. He's got a good offensive game. Last year in 34 games, Lieberman, six goals, 21 assists, 27 points. Also, key members back on the blue line, Chase Blackman, Jake Boltman, and Ryan Hellowell. The forwards, I'm just going to highlight four guys. Trevor Janicki, a senior, a veteran player, 40 games last year. He had a career-high 15 goals, 9 assists, 24 points. Ryder Ralston, as a sophomore, really broke out goal-scoring midseason. Slowed down in the second half of the year, but still had 10 goals, 17 assists, 27 points in 38 games. Landon Slaggart playing in the World Juniors for Team USA. Landon in 39 games as a sophomore, 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points. And a great-looking Freshman center last year, now an experienced sophomore. A lot was put on the shoulders of Hunter Strand last year, taking key faceoffs as the freshman handling the defensive chores at center, which can be difficult, but he was really, really good and came on strong offensively late in the year in 40 games, ended up with eight goals, seven assists, and 15 points playing on the fourth line, if you want to call it that for the Fighting Irish. So that's a look at the Fighting Irish hockey team getting set for a brand new season. Big Ten schedule is out. You can check it out on the Big Ten website. And Notre Dame will be updating their schedule at und.com, which right now has their non-conference schedule. 622 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues in just a moment with our sports wagering segment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with sizzlers. We go with 
29 minutes after 6 o'clock, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is our sports wagering segment. Due to time constraints, we did not have sports wagering segments on Thursday and Friday. Last Wednesday, I went 4-0. So the weekly total, 8-4 for the month of August, 17-14. And for the season, 20 games over, 500, 105, 85, and 1. And away we go with our four suggestions for this Monday. We will start with the rivalry matchup at Wrigley Field. The Cardinals and the Cubs kicking off a five-game series at the friendly confines. You take a look at the recent history when the Cardinals are the road favorite at Wrigley Field since 2020. They are 8-0 both on the money line and the run line against the Cubbies. The Cardinals are the betting favorite tonight at Wrigley Field. So with that being said, you got to follow the trends. So let's kind of go for the big home run. Robertson against Smiley tonight. Since being acquired from the Yankees, Robertson has been terrific for St. Louis. And the Cardinals are second in Major League Baseball and OPS against left-handed starters. The Cubs are starting the lefty Drew Smiley tonight. So I'm going to go Cardinals on the run line, minus one and a half runs at the Cubs. And we get that at plus 100, so a chance to double your money if the Cardinals win by two or more runs against a Cub team that's played really good baseball the last two, three weeks. Makes you wonder if the team would have spent any money on this squad, how much better they could be. But it is what it is, and a guy like Alexander Canario, who was here in South Bend last year, earlier this year, hit his 31st home run in the minors yesterday at AA. Reportedly, he's being called up to AAA Iowa. That's the guy trending toward Wrigley Field next year. Suggestion number two, the Twins and the Rangers from Minneapolis. The Twins looking to pick up a half a game on first place Cleveland and a chance to pick up a full game on the White Sox for second place after Chicago lost again to Kansas City. 6-4. to Boy, the Royals have really put a damper on the Sox playoff hopes. I mean, the Sox have done it to themselves all year, but recently they can't beat the Royals. So I'm going to go Twins tonight, minus one and a half runs at home against the Rangers at minus 105. I am backing the Twins starter, the veteran right-hander, Sonny Gray. Third suggestion for tonight, Yankees and Mets playing at Yankee Stadium. The Mets are playing better baseball right now. They've got Max Scherzer on the mound. And I'm going to take the Yankees plus one and a half runs against the Mets at minus 130. So we're giving the Yankees a plus one and a half run start at home. Even with Scherzer on the mound, I'll take my chances. You never know about these matchups among teams from the same city. They can be a little crazy at times, so why not take the Yankees plus one and a half runs against the Mets at minus 130, even though Scherzer is starting for New York. And the fourth and final suggestion, because there's just not a lot of games that really look good tonight. There aren't many games on the schedule, so you have to pick four. 
So I am going Marlins on the money line at the A's at minus 145. I'm going to back Edward Cabrera and his 1.78 ERA for Miami. They don't score a lot of runs, so it's dangerous. Adam Euler is on the mound for the A's, whoever that is, a 6.63 ERA. So the four suggestions for tonight, Cardinals minus one and a half runs at the Cubs at plus 100. Twins minus one and a half runs against the Rangers at minus 105. Yankees plus one and a half runs against the Mets at minus 130. And the Marlins on the money line at minus 145 at Oakland. Our underdog pick, and right now we're 22 and 23 on the year. This has to be a plus number to choose it for our underdog selection. Tonight I'm going with a big bow wow. I mean a big, big bow wow. I'm just hoping that the home team is asleep at the wheel for once and maybe the Brewers can get something done. Brewers plus 200 on the money line against the Dodgers who never lose at home. Eric Lauer against Julio Urias. Again, not a lot to choose from. So if you have to choose something, let's just go big with the Brewers with what probably is going to be a lousy underdog pick. Those are our we going to Sizzler. Selections for tonight, 634 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. To recap, the White Sox did end up losing their game today to the Kansas City Royals at Kauffman Stadium, 6-4. Michael Kopech, the White Sox starter, did not record an out in the first inning, gave up four runs. And the White Sox came all the way back from down 4 nothing to tie the game at 4 RBI double by Elvis Andrews in the seven, tied it at four. Andrews had three runs batted in for Chicago today, but the White Sox bullpen gave up two in the eighth inning. Kansas City six, White Sox four. The Sox used eight pitchers today in eight innings of Royals at bats and still could not pick up the victory, losing to Kansas City by a score of 6-4. to four. So the Sox now three games out of first place in the AL Central. I think they're four back now in the wild card, so they have some major work to do. Coming up in a couple of moments, I'm going to be joined by Bethel University Athletic Director Tony Natale. We'll talk Bethel Athletics as they have 522 student-athletes enrolled at BU, and that is the most ever in school history. So some great things going on over in Mishawaka. We'll talk to Tony coming up next, 636 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. 83 for Friday again under partly sunny skies and a little warmer for the weekend as Saturday we'll see a mix of clouds and sun with a high of 85. I'm WSBT 22's Abby Wepler. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 640 at WSBT Radio. Great to have you on board on this Monday evening as we kickstart a brand new week here on the program on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and a video feed available on the Twitch app. Turning to Tally, I almost should call him Mr. Bethel University. He has been a big part of Pilot Athletics for a long time. Currently, the athletic director at Bethel University. 
He's been the assistant athletic director, head coach of men's and women's track and field for 21 years, men's basketball assistant coach for 19 years. He's done a little bit of everything over in Mishawaka. And Tony joins me here on WSBT Radio as we get a brand new college sports season underway. Tony, it's Darren. Good to be with you today. How are you? I'm doing great, Darren. Thanks so much for having me on. Excited to have a, a season getting started. You better believe it. And, you know, one thing I left off, under your tutelage, you guys have never lost a football game. So the SEC is going to exactly. come after you at some point, Tony. There, somebody's going to want you as 80 since you never lose a football game. Well, we're trying to de- de- negotiate between them and the Big Ten right now, so we'll see where we end up. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Tony, I mentioned you've been a part of Bethel, college and Bethel University for a couple of decades now. What makes this such a special place to work that you've wanted to stay there all these years? Yeah, it's been, it's been a great run. We, uh, we have great people. I, I'm so excited about the people that I'm working with every day and working for, and then our coaching staff under me. We always have great people. Uh, we're all about the student-athlete experience at Bethel, and we try extremely hard to give all of our student-athletes the best possible experience we have, and um, it's been great over these two decades, as you said, to be involved in coaching for a long time with some great people. And now going into uh, my fourth year as an athletic director, we're continually trying to get better and make some good changes. So the people are what makes it, that's for sure. Tony, if there are some new people in the area that aren't familiar with Bethel University, what level of athletics do you guys play and how many sports do you offer? So we're in the, uh, the NAIA, which I always equate uh, the best way I can equate it into the NCAA level would be an NCAA Division II school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have definitely have scholarships. Uh, you know, we're good scholarship programs on all of our sports. We have 23 varsity sports and uh, seven reserve sports as well. Uh, and, and, our, and we've really tried extremely hard in the past four years to work on improving our, our culture across the board. And uh, we, we have more teams going to nationals and att- attempting to win a national championship than we ever have, and we're excited to continue to get better. I, you would, I have to imagine, Tony, you have to be proud of the fact there are 522 student-athletes enrolled right now at Bethel University, and that's an all-time high. Yeah, I'm really, really proud of that. You know, we have a great coaching staff. They work extremely hard in the areas of recruiting. Like I said, our administration, Dr. Belfi and uh, Jerry White, Sean Holker, and they've done a great job of supporting us in so many ways, and our scholarship packages are really good right now, and we can we can offer some really good things to our athletes. So to have 522 student athletes running around that campus is really exciting. Uh, in my office, I see a lot of them every day. They come by and say hi. We got a really close knit group, and it's a, it's a great culture and a great atmosphere to work in. That's for sure. Tony Detali, athletic director at Bethel University, my guest on WSBT Radio. And Tony, you guys recently added men's volleyball. Give us an update on the addition of that sport. Yeah, we, uh, it's been in the works for about a year and a half, and uh, we were going to add it actually and give uh, a year to recruit before we actually started competing. But uh, Eric Snyder is our head, uh, head coach, and uh, he's been well, well-known, well-accomplished uh, at the NAI level, went to the Final Four in his previous school. So when he came in, uh, which really was in April or May, and, and he uh, established a, a group right away. So he has a varsity team. He's got 18 kids in the program right now. And uh, we're going to compete this year. So we're excited to get things rolling. Um, It's a good-looking group of guys, and they're going to work really hard. So, yeah, we're excited to get that one to join the rest of our slate for sure.
Tony, I'm just wondering, I don't know many high school programs in the area that have boys volleyball, so what does the roster look like at this yeah. time? Where are players being acquired from? That's a great question. So, uh, actually, the ISSAA just adopted it this, this coming year. So, this will be the first year they have men's volleyball. So, uh, our team now is made up of, of basically three areas. We have some kids that have been at Bethel that have uh, just liked to play volleyball. And they've actually been practicing with our women's team for the last year or so. So they're a part of our team. And then we have a group of uh, guys that are from uh, Illinois, Chicago area, Michigan, where they do have volleyball, and they're on our team. And then we have a very significant group of guys that are international kids. Hmm. And uh, men's volleyball is a very big international sport, and uh, we have several international kids in our program. And uh, they just add to our, our culture at the college and so much. Uh, from the different uh, nations that they're from. So, yeah, very diverse group and a very, a very good group to come watch play, that's for sure. Tony, let's just discuss. You guys are coming off a terrific year. Last year on the field, the court, you have great momentum from last year. Give our listeners a little idea of the success that Bethel University had, not only in the Crossroads League, but also in postseason play. Yeah, you know, it's – it's been a, an up, up her, up, uh, hill battle a little bit. You know, we, uh, we were toward the, the lower half, lower third um, in the conference in our Crossroads League. And if you know anything about the Crossroads League, it's a tremendous league. It's yeah. uh, got to be the best league in the country at the NAI level. And uh, we've moved up now, and we are, we're, we're moved up to fourth. We're battling for the top three spots. So in our conference, we've really moved up as a, as a total athletic department. And that's one of the, I feel like, advantages I've had is I've been involved in two really good programs um, at Bethel in all my years of coaching with the men's basketball program and the track program. And it's just so cool, so rewarding to see now all these other sports come alongside. You know, our men's soccer team um, has gone to the NEI National Tournament many years in a row. Our women's volleyball team has as well. Our women's golf team won an NCCA national championship last year, as did our women's track team. So, um, you know, we continually are, are beefing up all of our sports. Our men's basketball team uh, made it to the Elite Eight two years ago and a little bit down last year, but Coach Steve Draben has done a great job and has a great recruiting class in, including Drew Lutz from Penn High School here. Mm. That's back in town, and uh, he will be – uh, heard of a lot this year, and we're excited to see where that program goes this year. So, yeah, it's all the way around the, the success we've had, definitely carrying over to this year. Tony, you kind of led me into my next question. And just I know about Bethel University mainly through the men's basketball program, being around Mike Lightfoot, calling games for years here on WSBT Radio. And I know how important local players were to that particular program. As you look at your 23 varsity sports, how important is local players to Bethel University's sports teams? Uh, it's very important, you know, to have, to have that uh, local flavor. It's interesting. I was talking to some friends of mine the other day. Since I've not coached in the last four years, uh, uh, recruiting at every level of every sport has changed just dramatically. And we see it a lot, even at the NCAA Division I level, you know, um, the, the, the ability to recruit nationwide and internationally has just exploded. So we do have a lot of Indiana kids on all of our rosters, but we also have a ton of international kids mm. on a lot of our teams and a lot of kids all over the country. Um, you know, I think, we, I think we have kids at so many different countries in our program right now. I think it's like 32 countries that we cover. And uh, so the Indiana kids are definitely important. We have three men's basketball commits already for next year. And all three of those kids are Indiana kids. 
So that's exciting, and we're, we want to continue to recruit Indiana, but uh, kind of expanded our horizons and being uh, other places as well. Tony, let me ask a question on behalf of young men and young ladies out there that don't play the bigger sports like basketball and football, and we all know about the recruiting processes for those two sports. But what about the the tennis player, the baseball player, the softball player? Baseball, softball have travel teams, and that's where a lot of college coaches see players. But for youngsters in our area that might be interested in playing for the tennis team or baseball or softball at Bethel University, how do you suggest those young men and young ladies get their name in front of your coaches? Well, it's a two-way street. You know, our coaches work extremely hard with recruiting services, people they know, contacts uh, all over in the area and all over the country to, to make a, uh, contacts with a lot of kids. Um, and and they, they do a tremendous job of that. And the, the, the thing that recruits can do, the high school kids can do, is they can be proactive as well. And there's, uh, there's so many things they can do to send out, whether it be basically a resume of how mm-hmm. they're doing in their sport to our coaches, just making them aware. Uh, I mean, our coaches want to do well. That's one of our core values at Bethel. Uh, even though we have a lot of things we're concerned about, we want to do well in. Being competitive and, and being successful is definitely something that, that they're graded on, our coaches. So they want to win. <laughs> we want to win. We want to continue to be successful. And we're going to go out and recruit the best kids that we can as well that are uh, tremendous Bethel folks. So uh, just making themselves note- noteworthy to our coaches by sending things out to them, sending releases out, having their coaches, their high school coaches contact our coaches is a huge way as well. Our coaches get out and watch kids play all the time. So the more communication that goes back and forth both ways, that's the best way to get noticed. Hmm. Good advice. And I would have to imagine, Tony, you're really proud of the facilities you offer at Bethel University. Yeah, and that's, that's been a big, big change. Uh, you know, uh, back when I coached, we had uh, Goodman, the old gym. We had mm-hmm. White Camp when I first got there. And uh, track, when I was coaching track, we were – doing sprint practice through Y camp, through the lobby into Goodman. <laughs> we were throwing 35 pound weight in Goodman, hoping not to, not to kill anybody every day when I left. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a challenge, but uh, now it, it's just amazing right now. We have the layman uh, training facility, which was uh, completed a couple of years ago. And that has absolutely transformed our athletic department facility wise. Uh, we have 120 kids on their track program and they now can use that facility to train in it has everything it has sprint lanes it has all the jumps mm. it has all the throws they can practice over there and also it has a, a state-of-the-art weight training facility so a lot of our teams go over and uh, work in that area just to, to lift so what it has done is it's opened up Y camp and goodman to our other teams to the basketball teams the volleyball teams and anybody else that wants to use it especially in the weight room so uh, yeah, the Lehman training facility has been a game changer on, on our campus for sure. Mm. Tony, one more question for you. And You mentioned earlier in our conversation the importance of building and, and tweaking the culture at Bethel University. What are your goals right now as you work with the coaches? Yeah, they're, they're graded on, on four things. And we're a faith-based institution, so that's important to us. We want to make sure we do a great job in that area. Like I said, we want to be competitive. We feel like we owe it to the kids we bring in to give them the best uh, competitive experience we can. Uh, we want to do well academically. We're really excited that our GPAs continue to go up with our student-athletes as our numbers gone up. So that's been important to us. And then the last one, and it sounds a little bit of a gray area, but to me it's just huge, and that is our culture on our team has to be 
the best it can possibly be. And I guess the best way I can say that is, you know, when kids go to college, they don't know what to expect as a freshman. They come in, first time they've been away from home in that setting, academically, athletically, in every way. The team atmosphere has to be something that's so good that if they're struggling in any area, that team's going to help them out in it in so many ways and keep them connected at Bethel. So the culture on our team, the culture in our department as a whole, and then even across campus, that has been the, probably the number one thing I've worked on in four years, and, and I'm really proud of how our, our people have done. They bought into that, and uh, you know we, we are really noticed on campus, and we want to be the people that work really hard to set the tone in some areas. And we're not perfect, but I tell you what, we really have, as one parent told me, we have perfect intentions. And I really like that because I feel like we do. We really try to take care of our kids. And whenever I talk to a parent, I always say, you know, when they, if your young uh, lady, young young man come to Bethel, we will do our best to take care of them and give them the best possible experience we possibly can. Mm. Wonderfully said. Well, Tony, for our listening audience out there, if they want more information on Bethel Athletics, you can go online to BUPilots.com. That's BUPilots.com. And I'm shocked in our conversation covering 14 minutes, I didn't say Bethel College. I was afraid I was going to say that like six times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I still do. I mean, it's hard hard to get used to that sometimes. We're definitely a university now. And, yeah, I absolutely encourage our listeners to come out Watch our teams play. If you've never seen our level of athletics, it's it's a, a level that's very, very good. Very good. No question. BUPilots.com for more information. And Tony Natale, BU Athletic Director since 2019. Thank you so much for the visit. Looking forward to seeing you later on in the year. Okay. Thank you so much, Darren. I appreciate being on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tony Natale, Bethel University Athletic Director. Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight was brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic, spaying or neutering your pet is as easy as ABC. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org and the Mishawaka Education Foundation Foundation granting a better future. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 o'clock on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.